Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk to you today. And um, I just want to take this opportunity as well to say a really big thank you for the support that you've given me all year round. Um, it has just been absolutely amazing to know that I've got your support here, praying for me, the words of encouragement, those who are supporting me financially. I just want to say a really big thank you to all of you. A clap from me. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, so I'm going to um, start off just talking a little bit about Akisa, for those who don't know um, what we do, um, and that will hopefully set the scene for what I want to talk about. Um, it's been a year of excitement and challenges. I'm going to start off telling you some testimony of um, some of the things I've been doing, um, but our kind of theme today is God with us beyond our hardships. So I'm also going to share with you some of the really challenging things that I've experienced this year and how I believe that God has led me through those to him. Um, yeah, so I hope I can kind of share through my story um, and there'll be something in it for, for you and your relationship with God too. Um, so these are the um, values that we have as Akisa Ministries. Um, so as I said earlier, um, we have a home and a school um, and um, we're all about supporting um, children with disabilities and their families. Um, the first thing that is... Um, more important than anything to us is that um, all children are created in the image of God. And I'm sure if you're sat here, you all agree with me. Um, they have value in their creator. They're valued and loved by God and therefore should be valued and loved within our society. Um, in Uganda, there are still... Um, some views that children with disabilities are a curse. Maybe they've been cursed by um, what they call witch doctors. Um, there's a belief that they are a, a stigma. They are a burden on the family. Um, and often those families are pushed out. Um, and those children are kept at home. Um, and we really don't just want to work for individual children. We want to see that attitude change. Um, so we're working um, not only with the children themselves, but with the families um, and teaching their, their families that first and foremost, they are valued and they are loved by God. The second thing that's really important to us is family preservation. Um, we call ourselves a residential transitional home rather than an orphanage because we believe that every child should be within a family um, and that is always what's best. Um, and so we do everything that we can to either reunite the children with the families um, that they came from because often the reason that those families had to leave them is because maybe of a lack of education, a lack of resources, a lack of understanding of how to, how to look after their child. And so we... Um, believe that those are things that we can help the parents manage and understand um, to better support their children. Um, life is always best in families. And I just want to say um, that I am going to be talking a lot about that, about children who have been abandoned and also children um, who have passed away. Um, so I just wanted to warn you if that's difficult for you and you need to leave, that's absolutely fine because I know that's a tricky topic um, to be talking about, but I hope that we can see through it um, how Jesus has worked through those difficult situations. Um, quality of life is also really important. So having a whole approach to that quality of life, um, helping the families, as I said, to improve their daily lives, um, giving them the best education we possibly can within the school. Um, 
And finally, helping, not hurting. Um, I think this is something that's becoming um, more and more in our awareness, that it can be very easy. Um, I think we can fall susceptible to this as Christians, that we really want to help, um, but we can actually end up hindering or hurting if we don't have the right skills. Um, or um, you may have good intentions, but we also need to make sure that we are empowering and equipping people, um, not creating a dependency culture, a dependency on us, and also um, doing everything we can to stop the helping from hurting. I hope that makes sense. Um, we want to empower them to rewrite their own stories. We're not the ones who are rewriting their stories. We're empowering them to rewrite their own stories. Um, and all of these fit into the Father heart of God, the everlasting Father. Um, yeah, we do this um, through trying to reunite children with families, as I said, educating them, um, being aware that there are many misconceptions that need to be dispelled. Um, as I said, there are misconceptions about witchcraft. There are also misconceptions that disabilities or special needs are contagious. Um, and so you can imagine that brings a whole other element of stigma. Um, and we, we know that that's not true, and we can educate parents as to how we know that that's not true. Um, the result of this is shame and blame, people being left out, as I said, people getting hidden from, um, from society, kept at home. Um, often families can't afford to send their children to school, um, and so there, there's even uh, less motivation when you don't believe that your child can learn. Um, we believe that that's uh, not true. Every child has the ability to learn, um, and that's what we're trying to show. Um, the families and communities around us. Um, every child has potential, um, but when you lack understanding and resources to do that, it's understandable how, how that happens. Um, but we're trying to provide that, that understanding um, and those skills. So um, Akisa Ministries really is rewriting the story of disability um, in the country, um, giving the exact opposite message to society that these children are loved and valued. And what is incredible um, is already um, there are parents who are actually choosing to adopt children with special needs, which is the total opposite of, of what we've seen in the past of these children being abandoned, but people are actually, with the education, they're realizing, actually, I can love one of these children as my own, which is just incredible. Um, we have a few staff members at our school that have chosen to do that. Um, and um, some real success stories of children who the parents wanted to abandon them, but with the right support, they've actually taken them back in and are loving them through to adulthood, which is just um, phenomenal. Um, so my role within that is in the school um, part, Akisa Academy. Um, I've taken over a curriculum that I was trained in here, and I've spent the year trying to adapt it and make it um, work for the children there. Um, at Akisa Academy, and um, what was really exciting um, is, is that there, the school was already there, um, but there was just something missing for some of the children, some of the children who were maybe more complex. People weren't so sure exactly what they needed in terms of education, and there was a specific teacher who was like, I love these children, I want to do what's best for them, but I just don't know how, and I just praise God so much because someone gave me a word before I left um, this time last year saying that God was preparing someone's heart for me and I really believe that that was um, a teacher called Carol. I don't know if we can go forward a bit, so we're a bit behind. And again, please, and again. 
go through all of these <laughs> until there's a picture of a group of people. There we go. Um, so Carol's on the right there, and these are her teaching assistants. Um, and I say she <laughs> um, has just embraced the curriculum um, that I've brought because she could see from very early on when we started using it that it was what was right for the children that she's been working with. Um, and it has just, um, as I say, been so exciting to see the results. Um, we have a girl called Victory who lives within the home and goes to the school. And um, she used to just sleep all day because she felt um, the world was too overwhelming for her. Whenever she was awake, she didn't understand what was going on. There was all these sounds and smells and voices, but it, it, she didn't understand what it was. She has a visual impairment. She's um, a hearing impairment and um, cerebral palsy, epilepsy, amongst other things. Um, the reason she has glasses on is because she's in the home, so we're protecting her identity. Um, she um, has basically um, gone from that, from sleeping all day, to now being awake most of the week. And when she's awake, that means that she can learn, and we are getting to know how she communicates. She's using her voice more, she's using her body more. Um, and it has just been amazing to see her um, interacting with the world around her, and um, knowing that we've been able to um, unlock some of that potential in her, just by using some different teaching approaches that were right for her. Um, so that's a real um, so it's a story from this year, and, there, and there's, uh, there's other children with a similar story that didn't um, used to do a huge amount. They were obviously trying to communicate in their own way, but we've been teaching them how to use their eyes to tell us what they want, how to use their body, how to use their, um, yeah, their emotions, really, to, to communicate with us. And it's, um, yeah, really grateful to God for <laughs> helping us to do that work. Um, <coughs> But obviously, living um, life in another country, it has its challenges, it has its ups and downs. I'm, I am just doing normal life. I'm <laughs> not doing anything special or out of the ordinary, believe it or not. It's just <laughs> another job, <laughs> um, just as all of you are working here. Um, I still have to go through you know, my same mental health struggles that I went through here. I still have to go through the same ups and downs um, that I would in normal life. Um, there's some some days um, when I feel like, or I felt like, you know, are, are people really going to get what I'm bringing? Is it really the right thing? Um, God, did you, I know it sounds crazy, but I will still ask, did you really call me God? Or did I, <laughs> did I, get, that, did I get that wrong somewhere? I'm so young. I, I've only done a few years of teaching. You know, um, I was getting sick all the time. I was far away from my family and friends. Um, it can feel very lonely um, in that place, and um, it can be, yeah, very, um, despite getting to see those victories, obviously that's after a year of very hard work, um, and there are days when you, when you don't get to get to see the benefits and you're just wondering, what is this all about, God? Um, yeah, it's it, it's hard because you're when you live in another country. For any of you who have done it, your whole worldview is being challenged every day. <laughs> you're always questioning what you've already known and what and and what and what you're learning and and, and trying to match up who you are um, with everything that you've grown up with, everything that you've known your whole life with what you're now learning, and that can be exhausting. Um, and that that translates into your relationship with God. You you end up. Um, 
sort of redefining your relationship and questioning everything that you know about God um, when you um, just see that the way people live out their faith might be different um, and when you see um, some really, really challenging things. Um, we had a few weeks um, where it was especially tough and, I, and as I say, I don't want to share this because it's not all doom and gloom in any way, but just to show you, like, these have been the hardships and this is what God did through those hardships. Um, my housemate had to move back to the US um, because her sister was critically ill and we thought we were going to lose her at points during this year, which was obviously really tough for her. It also left me um, in doing a lot of things at the school by myself because she was my colleague too, um, and also living on my own during a difficult time when uh, crime is rising in Ginger because it's become a city and because of the impact of COVID and lockdowns, people... Um, are poor and hungry, <laughs> um, just as there are people here who are, are, are feeling those effects in the same way. Um, and so I had a friend who had a break-in, um, which is very hard when you're living on your own, um, without your you know, friends and family around you to feel um, that fear of feeling unsafe. Um, one of the children at school um, passed away, and actually throughout the year, we, we lost um, a few children um, who we work with. And um, when you lose a child, for anyone who's been through that, um, I think it's a different kind of grief because of that feeling of, like, this is too soon and it's not right. I mean, I think you always feel that when you grieve, don't you? But there's something about when you lose children. Um, and also, the children that I work with, it makes you reflect on their life. And God, why? Like, why, why did they live that short, rubbish life <laughs> in reality? And I'm sure they would say that if they could. Like, it can be a re really rubbish for some of those children. Their bodies constantly let them down. They're constantly poorly. Um, they're constantly trapped within these rubbish, rubbish bodies. Um, and that can be really hard as well. Um, we also had to deal with Ebola. I'm sure you might have seen it on the news. Um, fortunately, it didn't come to our area, area too um, dramatically. Um, all of us are safe and well. Um, but it's a very real reality within the country at the moment of another um, epidemic that we're, we're um, dealing with. Um, and at the point where I was thankful, really, that I was making friends, um, getting to be part of the community, getting involved in a church, um, yeah, getting to kind of set up my life there, when all of this is going on around you, and I'm sure we've all had times in our life when we say it just feels like one thing after another, after another, after another, when is this going to end? Um, it makes you realize that you need so much more than the friends, than the hobbies, than the job. You know, you, you just need more than that. And it's, it's a dark time. It's a darkness that's talked about um, in the Bible frequently. Um, and when you hear things that break your heart, when, when, it, when things rock you to the core of your soul, um, that's when you have no choice sometimes but to turn back to Jesus. But sometimes all you want to do is run in the other direction. Um, so we're going to read from Isaiah chapter 9, um, verses 2 to 7, if anyone would like to follow along. I'll just give you a few seconds to find it. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7. Um, I know that you've been looking at this passage already in the last few weeks, so I'm sure it won't be new, but I just wanted to read the whole thing because it gives a good picture of where we're going today. Um, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those... 
In the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Um, And I remember thinking when I first read this passage, what does the child being born in the middle have to do with anything? But as we go through it, I think you'll see how it all um, is is God preparing us for what Jesus will do for us. Um, As a child, maybe even as an adult, I don't know if you've ever had a time when you've turned the lights off and then you've run across the room and jumped into your bed. (laughs) Because you feel like, I can't see what's there, so I better get to safety really quickly, as if the duvet's going to protect you. (laughs) Um, Or maybe just lying in bed in the darkness, feeling um, scared or on edge. Um, I remember doing that as a child, but I also remember very vividly the day that I realised that when the light's off, the room looks exactly the same as when the light's on. (laughs) Um, That actually, when a room is dark, it is exactly the same as when it's light. It's just that you can't see the light. You can't see those things, but it is exactly the same. And when I realized that God can see it as exactly the same, he doesn't see it any differently because God is light and he can see. In the darkness, he is with us in the darkness. And that made me think about how his truth is always the same as well. Whether we are feeling the darkness and, and we can't see the light anywhere, his truth is still the same. The same is still true, whether it is dark or it is light. And, 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 the, and the light, the darkness actually exaggerates the light. As you probably know, if you've ever had the privilege of being somewhere where there are no street lights and you can see the stars so much brighter than you can when the street lights are on. Um, that's such a picture of actually the darkness even makes the light brighter and, and, and we recognize God's joy and God's peace and all of those beautiful things that it talks about everlasting father, wonderful counselor. We see those more vividly in the darkness but sometimes we just have to divert our eyes to it to see the, the, the flickering light in the darkness. Um, and he is our everlasting father however dark the darkness feels. That is always true and it never changes. Um, There's a song called Highlands by Hillsong. I wanted to play it to you today, but we haven't managed to get it to work, so I'm hoping to send it out after the service. Um, But there's a line in that that says, no less God in the shadows. Um, And God gave me that line again and again and again this year, no less God in the shadows. He is, even in the shadows, God is still God, and the joy of the Lord can still be our strength. Um, the truth is that we, we need his light in the shadows more than we need it when we're not in the shadows, actually. Um, yeah. And just to go back to, what, to part of what we read again. So I didn't write the verse. Um, verse 3, I think. Yes. 
You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Um, this contrast of light to dark is also from hunger to harvest, from war to being able to divide the plunder at the end of the war. Um, when What I found amazing about this passage that I'd never understood before is those are pictures of what of the feeling and the, the joy and the truth that Jesus is bringing. The same feeling that you get if you've been hungry and then you, you get the harvest. If you've been at war and now you're dividing the plunder, is the same thing that Jesus is doing for us. It's bringing that same joy, that same provision um, into our situations. Um, he's giving us a gift that is equivalent to when you haven't had and now you have. Um, and and that contrast is so stark and so um, overwhelming. But sometimes we can't see it when we're in the don't have. But like, but Jesus is <laughs> even when we don't have. Um, and um, yeah, that that joy um, is also the joy of the child being born that that we are celebrating in this season of Christmas. Um, the announcement of the birth of the child is an assurance of the fatherly protection over his people and now his protection over us, his pr fatherly protection over his people. Um, this is affirmed in Luke chapter 2 um, when, it, when it talks about in verses 11 to 14. I won't read um, the whole passage, but it talks about um, Jesus finding a baby, um, fi us finding a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger, and the angels saying, glory to God in the highest, on earth peace to those, whose who, sorry, <laughs> to those on whom his favor rests. So that baby is bringing that peace that we're talking about. Um, yeah, I'm just going to dip in a bit to um, us talking about Jesus as the Prince of Peace. I hope I'm not going to step on Chris's toes for next week. I'm supposed to be talking about the Everlasting Father, but I heard a really good talk on it before I left Uganda that I really wanted to share with you all. Because um, talking about Jesus as, as the Prince of Peace, um, I think we probably all know that another word for peace is shalom. Um, and um, I think sometimes the word peace has got a bit lost in our... Um, in our kind of English language nowadays, because when we think of peace, we think of maybe quietness, a lack of chaos, sitting quietly with a cup of tea, um, those kinds of things. Or we think of maybe, um, we would think of like after a war, um, that feeling of um, not, not being in any danger. Um, but actually, there's a lot more to that word shalom. Um, that I had never understood before these last few weeks, that actually peace is also another word. Shalom is also another word for completeness and wholeness. It's the completeness and wholeness that we can find within our hardships. Because um, sometimes you, you don't feel quiet, you don't feel rested during those hardships. You, don't, you, you can't feel peace as we understand the word peace. But God is promising that that you will still, though, and you can still feel complete and whole within him, even in that hardship. Um, he is everything that we need. Um, so shalom is actually, peace is actually also a verb. It's a doing word. 
um, because it is about life being restored. And so in that hardship, God is working to restore our lives to what he wants it to be, what he predestined for us, what he intends for us is not that hardship, but he is, re he is in the business, he is in the process of restoring us in, in his um, character of Prince of Peace. Um, we're now going to read from Revelation. It's um, another very well-known part of the Bible. I'm sure you've all heard it um, many times. Um, I just saw the real beauty of the link between Jesus being the Prince of Peace and what he's promising us for the future that we can also have today. Um, so this is Revelation um, chapter 21, verses 1 to 6. Revelation 21, chapters 1. Um, verses 1 to 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. God with us, Emmanuel. Um, they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, mourning, crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He is seated on the throne. I am making everything new. Um, he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. This beautiful truth explains how creation is being restored. I think we can read this passage and see it as something that's coming in the future. Um, but I really loved, I was um, talking with a friend about this recently, he was telling me about Screw Tapes by C.S. Lewis, I don't know if any of you had a chance to read it. Um, and I love the picture from that, that the present, where we are here and now, is where we meet with eternity. Because um, the past is gone, the future is just ends up being something to worry about, and it's not here yet, it doesn't exist. Um, but the present is where we meet with eternity, so it is our access to these things when we live in the present and we meet with God in the present. It's not something we have to just hope for, although we will never get full restoration. Until those days, the the there is a glimpse, there's a glimmer, there's a hint in the now, if we choose to acknowledge it and to allow God to be that for us, to be complete and whole in the here and now, not just in the future. We can be complete within the hardships that we're experiencing. Um, he's already working to restore us. Um, Jesus has been glorified and exalted beyond death's power, and that is a reality today. That's not just a reality that happened 2,000 years ago or is going to happen, it's a reality for us today. He's not abandoning us, and that's what we can often feel. He's making us new. He's restoring us to what he intended. Um, salvation is not a place that we have to run to or go to. It's found in God. So if we're in God, we're already in our salvation. Um, part of the work that we do at Akisa could be called rehabilitation or restoration because we're working with children 
as I said earlier, whose bodies let them down day after day, and it's so frustrating for them and so challenging. And we're trying to work with the physios to help them to use their bodies more, to give them that freedom and that unlocking to use their bodies. We're working with speech and language therapists to allow them to have find a way to communicate, to give them maybe symbols or pictures or using their eyes or their hands. Um, we are saying, through that work, we are saying, we don't believe that this is all that God has for you, just to be left there where you are. We want to see you restored to who you were made to be by Jesus and not the, the, the rubbish and the suffering that happens in this world that, that causes those bodies to be broken. <laughs> we want to see them fixed. And we know that for some of our children, that's not a reality in their lifetime, but we also know that that God wants what's best for them and we, and we can do what we can now with them to give them those best opportunities. Um, if any of you have ever had the privilege of working with children with complex needs or disabilities, they're some of the strongest children that you will ever meet. They are so determined. They know what they want and as long as you give them a way to tell you, they will they will fly with it, and, and, th and that gives us a, a, a real picture, a real glimpse into the restoration that heaven wants and is working on um, for us in those times of hardship, when it's hard for any of us in any of our situations, God is working on restoring. Um, and we can feel that when we have the pain of losing a family member or someone in our community, um, we can see that that restoration taking place. We can turn to Jesus um, because in the simplicity of his birth, he has given us that, that freedom of knowing that the, the mourning and the crying and the pain is not going to last forever. Um, I was also struck when I was looking at Jesus as a baby, as a child. Um, I think often in my life I've thought about the fact that Jesus became human and so he knows what it's like to be human and so he has some concept of the suffering that I go through as an adult. But I had never occurred to me that he was also a child, so he also knows our children. He also knows exactly what they're going through. He knows how it is to develop and learn and grow from a tiny, tiny baby. So he also has experienced what it's like to be a child. And so he's just as close to our children as he is to us as adults. Um, and I really just, that was such a moment for me of, wow, God, you really meet with all of us <laughs> at whatever level, whatever stage, developmentally, physically, Whatever age, you, you know what it's like to be in all of those stages and you meet with us where we are, and that's amazing. Um, uh, yeah, so I, sorry, I'm jumping around a bit because I just got very excited about all the things. <laughs> um, this is <laughs> how God is. Um, I really loved that Chris gave me the, the title, God is Beyond Our Hardships, um, because that, to me, implied he's not just with us, he's not just walking beside us, he's not just carrying us, although he's doing all of that too. He is beyond it, he is outside of it, um, and he is there in it. And, and, and that moment that I talked about, that moment where the reality of eternity touches our present, he says that you are being restored and you will be complete. Um, 
yeah, we, um, as I said, have been through a lot of loss this year as a charity. Um, I know that um, as a church family, we've also been through a lot of loss. And and when we when we lose people who are loved by us, um, we painfully miss them. Um, the reality of, of of death is is hard, isn't it? It always has been. It always will be. Um, but I think that heaven draws nearer and closer in those moments. That heaven is also a reality when you're grieving. Um, that is that is more tangible and more close when you're grieving. I just felt each time we had to do another service for another child. I just felt God saying, you know. I have them, I have restored them, and they are mine. Um, and that is heaven coming to earth in that moment when you understand that, that, that God is restoring all of us in that way. Um, and if we run into his loving arms, if we choose to do that instead of um, running away, um, then he has so much for us. Um, there's, I'm going to tell you the story of a little boy that I met recently. Um, there he is, looking really happy. When he first came to us, um, he had just been abandoned. We um, found him on the side of the road. Um, and he came to us, as you can imagine. He was scared. Um, he had a lot of um, emotional trauma, a lot of emotional issues. Um, if you know anything about attachment, there's different attachment styles. And um, one of them, if you've been abandoned or you um, don't have your family anymore, um, is that you want to be loved, so you cling really tightly onto people who are showing you even a small ounce of love. But in the next breath, you push them away because you don't know whether you can trust them because the last people I loved left me. So how do I know that... that that these people are going to love me. And so there's this real push-pull. It's actually quite incredible, this little boy's grip on you <laughs> when he wants a hug. But in the same breath, he will start pushing and fighting you away. Um, and I think this is what we do with our Heavenly Father, isn't it, sometimes? Um, I really know that I want to be loved by God and I want to be close to God, but I'm also really angry at him because he let all this stuff happen. And we're like, why, why are these things happening, God? You just make me angry. I want to hit and scream and punch. And, but actually, um, the way that you help a child who's going through that abandonment, who's going through that push-pull, is when they're pushing you away, you actually have to hug them in tighter. And you hug them so tight until, they're, until you're overriding the, the feeling of adrenaline and fear that's coming over their body. And you have to tell them you are loved, you are safe, and you are home. And you just have to keep saying it until that reality is true for that child. And that's what, that is how God holds us, even when we're kicking and screaming. And I just, I had not realized that reality so much as when I saw that relationship with that little boy, that like God, there's times when you feel completely on your own, and trust me, I've been there, when I really believed that, that God wasn't anywhere to be seen, and yet he was hugging even tighter than he ever had during that time, and I couldn't see it at the time. And I still get a bit annoyed about the fact that I couldn't see it, like I didn't know he was there <laughs> at the time. You know, I still have a bit of a strop about that sometimes. But when I look back, I can actually see that his arms were closer and stronger than they ever have been. Um, 
You're safe, you're loved, you're home. That's what Jesus is saying to you. And that is where we find our, our content. That's where we find our peace, our wholeness, our completeness. You know, God, God knows that that's what we need. He is our everlasting Father, which obviously in the work I do, the reality is truer um, than than ever before because however much I can try <laughs> to love those children when their parents didn't, however much any of us within that charity can try to give those children what they're missing and not having parents that are loving them the way that they should, we will never be good enough because Jesus, God, is the everlasting Father. He is the one who will be whatever earthly fathers are not, what earthly parents are not. And I remember thinking when I was reading this, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about, we usually see like God the Father, Jesus the Son, but this passage when it says everlasting Father is actually talking about Jesus because Jesus has those father-like qualities just like his father. He protects us, he guides us, he's everything that we need. Um, we can claim I am his and he is mine um, through that. Um, it's, it's very difficult to get our heads around that um, sometimes, I think. Um, but when we can see God's unending, overwhelming love fathering us, fathering children who've been abandoned, um, then we really do see what it means to have an everlasting father. That father is forever. Um, we can call him Tata, which is Luganda for dad. We can call him daddy. He will be our father forever um, and I and I think that that truth is um, what got me through the hardships this year and I hope that you can hold on to that truth in your hardships too um, yeah let's pray father God thank you so much that you are everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Thank you that you bring completeness and wholeness when we feel broken and empty. Thank you that when it looks dark, you see light, you bring light into the darkness. Thank you that you are restoring us, even when we can't see it, even when it's painful and we feel broken, we feel like we're in the fire, Lord. You are restoring us and you are bringing us back to you and you are bringing that completeness, that wholeness that shalom would we know that Jesus this Christmas season would we be able to show it to other people that you are what makes us complete what makes us whole you are shalom you are our everlasting father I pray that you would fill um, the gaps where fathers haven't haven't been the fathers that they should have been Lord I pray that we would turn to you to be that everlasting father um, and that this Christmas, um, the fatherless would be able to say, I have a father and his name is Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.